When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are recording here on Sunday morning, the 27th, after all the turkey, after all the family, and after the Patriots lose 33-26 to in Minnesota, which I'm glad that game finished right before midnight because I had to be so thankful for what was easily the Patriots' most entertaining game of the season since probably week three against the Ravens, another loss. I'm sure you weren't as excited about it as I was. But when you get opening drive touchdowns, let's just start with offense right away. Um, you get some excitement into that game. You get a kick return touchdown, albeit for Minnesota. Jonathan Jones grabs a pick in the first half. It's back and forth. They had 12 scores in that game that either tied the game or caused the lead change. I was excited. Very thankful for that game. Hopefully the Patriots keep it rolling, at least from an entertainment standpoint. Obviously now at 6-5 and five with Buffalo coming up on Thursday, they would love to get back in the win column. I think that is something that they can do. And as we roll down here today in a slightly abbreviated uh, rundown. We're going to do Minnesota film review with kind of an eye on Buffalo. No mailbag today, but we're going to go back to a story I wrote uh, earlier this week about the Patriots media playbook, which had to do more about how you can use it at home on Thanksgiving. But I'll give you a little background on that because I talked over a dozen guys in the locker room, some ex-players, people who used to work for the team in football ops um, and around the team, not necessarily in kind of the coaching, scouting, front office side, uh, but close to it for that story. It's a lot of fun. So, leading off, no more wasted time. The good from this game, Mac Jones, outstanding. It wasn't the best game I've ever seen him play, but it was absolutely, no question about it, the best game that he has played this season. Career high, 382 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, zero turnover-worthy plays. That's the second straight week for Mac. He's not risking turnovers, which, again, is a very low bar. This is kind of like rookie Mac right out of the gates, you know, that that constitutes success. But that's where we're coming from with him. Because when you talk about regression, that means he's been worse than he was as a rookie. He's come back to level now. And now he's moving forward with this game, which, you know, if you read my film review at thebostonherald.com, I get into why this was a favorable matchup. And I think that's just important context to put in there when you have a Minnesota secondary that's down at starting corners. Uh, well, they're second and third playing a lot of zone coverage and a lot of too high zone coverage. So those light box let you run the ball and access the middle of the field. But even all that said, the way Mac was accessing every single level of the field, I mean, left, middle, right, short, intermediate, deep was huge. Four of six going deep. He had the two touchdowns. It's like a pitcher who, you know, won't throw low and outside and you can just kind of sit middle, middle or middle inside or look up. Like that's absolutely massive because you keep the defense honest. And when you go down the stretch here, particularly against defenses that know Mac well, like Buffalo twice in Miami coming up on New Year's Day, they're going to make him do things he doesn't want to. In this game, he said, I'm comfortable with whatever. Again, 382 yards. I talked about down the middle, 10 of 11, 168, two touchdowns. He was also better against pressure, which if you've been listening, know that we've covered this. 
the stats on pro football focus are horrendous. And there's, you know, there's some, there's some room and some range in there. None of their numbers, especially the grades are kind of ironclad. And I keep my own pressures when I'm charting the game or reviewing it twice afterwards, because sometimes the discrepancy is just so massive and they had different graders for different teams and um, you know, different games. But when you look at his numbers against Minnesota, so much better against under pressure and those plays because he's dropping back are usually going to be, you know, third down or second and tens that'll keep you out of third downs and third and longs, or sometimes in the red zone, like got to have it slightly higher leverage plays where he needs to be better. And he hasn't. And that's explained a lot of their struggles so far, specifically as a passing offense, but overall Mac was tremendous question now is how much of this can roll over into Buffalo. Again, there's the notion that players or teams kind of keep momentum going from game to game is a fan and media thing that doesn't exist when you talk to guys in the locker room or just think about it for a second, because it's not like we see them in this case on a Thursday. And then the next time you'll see them again is on a Thursday. So it makes sense. Things that you were just doing can roll over to the next time I see you. But in between those two Thursdays or six other days, okay, where they're practicing, they're going home, they're meeting, they're being with their families. Like this is just nonsense when you get into that first drive and they finally play again against the Bills. I think you can sustain that momentum and focus day to day to day, not to sound too much like them. But the thing is for Mac, the carryover, he can't take what Minnesota was doing, what I just talked about, all his own coverage, a lot of too high stuff allows him to access the middle of the field. But he can protect the ball better. And I think try to access every single area of the field to keep them honest. Um, and if he does that, the Patriots have a legitimate shot against Buffalo. And if he plays like this against Buffalo, I think they'll get one of these two games. It could be this one. It could be on the road. The Bills have not been the world beaters. We built them up to be in August, September, and October. Josh Allen is more touchdowns, or excuse me, more interceptions than touchdowns this month. So I'm not guaranteeing a close game or Patriots win. I'm just saying Mac is the key. Oh, the quarterback's the key. Um, and he's at least shown a higher ceiling than we had seen anything remotely close to earlier this year. Big good. Next good, pass protection. Um, Mac was benefiting from shockingly good pass protection. Four pressures allowed before the fourth quarter when, you know, you get some noise in those numbers with the last couple of drives, they're shotgun, they have to pass, et cetera, et cetera. Yanni could just, I had it only down for two pressures allowed. The Patriots helped him a lot. Wisely, you had Hunter Henry chipping, sometimes offering a double team. And then you had Ramondre Stevenson chipping on occasion, staying in for 11 snaps of pass blocking for him, which was the second most all year. The only other game that was higher was at Cleveland, which was a Bailey Zappi's first road start, the game that Damian Harris, uh, I don't think he played outright. Yeah, he was kept out. And then they're facing Miles Garrett. So when you're facing Daniel Hunter, and Zedarius Smith, who turned Cole Strange a lot in this game, but not as bad as some other Cole Strange games, the Patriots wisely helped out their rookie left guard and their turnstile right tackle, and things went okay. So we can get to the sacks a little bit later, and we will with <clears throat> Trent Brown, but overall, pass protection was good. That set the table for everything else. Third on the good list from the Patriots lost in Minnesota, uh, Raquan McMillan. It was funny. I was thinking... Uh, a couple of weeks ago when he's starting to come back and he's had a good string of games here. Like we can highlight the Josh Uche breakout. He has another sack. He's had multiple pressures and something like four or five straight games within those four to five McMillan's been good in the last three, like really, really good, even in small samples. And I was thinking back with a couple other writers saying, remember in the spring and the summer, we were talking about the infusion of 
of speed into the second level of the defense, like the Patriots, oh, they got Mac Wilson and they got Cameron McGrone and Raekwon McMillan. And it's kind of like their approach at receiver. We're just going to throw a bunch of, you know, mid-level veterans at the wall and, and see if someone sticks or a late round pick in case of Cameron McGrone. Like it said something more though than about any one of those players, just the state of the Patriots speed in their defense over the last however many years. When Raekwon McMillan, a very, uh, average linebacker in most senses, but specifically with his speed, is making you faster. Now, McMillan looked pretty fast against Minnesota because he was playing to his strengths, which are his instincts. And again, he's a well-rounded linebacker. He's not going to you know, change your world as a defense. He's obviously faster than some guys they've had like Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower last year. But the way he gets the step ahead is those instincts, the way his play recognition works so well. And he had two tackles for loss one blew up an outside zone run play another one I think it was a swing screen to the left side if he keeps playing like that you know you're going to have some of the variants come down from guys like Jelani Tavai you know when he can't play to his strength of which is primarily against the run or Mac Wilson flying around against the pass but misses more tackles than you like he's a steadier player when he's like this and he looks like someone who's not only just fully recovered from the ACL because that's been true for a while he's been out there he's fully recovered and in football shape having played now 10, 11 games for the Patriots coming off of a catastrophic injury. So credit to McMillan, two tackles for loss led the Patriots, um, not game-changing plays, but something to watch if you start to see him more on Thursday. Also because the Patriots are full on into the rotations. Okay. We saw guys in the third series sitting. We talked about this with the corners, Mills, Jack Jones, Jonathan Jones. They're trying to keep them fresh for the long haul. And when you have another, you know, capable body in McMillan, that helps you in the long run. And I think when he inspires confidence on his own, we'll give him four or five series in a row before you take him out. Okay, on to the bad. Um, this starts with the coverage against Justin Jefferson. This was the first thing aside from the Hunter Henry uh, overturned touchdown. And yes, it was a catch. And yes, it should have been a touchdown. The coverage against Justin Jefferson was just not good enough. And at some point, you you tip your hat to the best receiver in, in the world. Um, are we still tipping hats, by the way? Is that like an older style thing? Like, would you tap tip a ball cap um we'll, we'll come back to that probably not but nine catches 139 yards and touchdown says it all and jonathan jones was on him for most of the night and you're gonna be like well jonathan jones had a pick and jonathan jones dropped another pick yes the drop pick was in front of justin jefferson a bad decision by kirk cousins on an out route in like third and medium the pick though was an overthrow not intended for justin jefferson so when pff has jonathan jones giving up around 10 catches to get in those coverage stats. You want to talk about noisy. You can't, can't, can't take those at face value. Um, but nonetheless, it was, it was bad. The Patriots started to double him. I think a little bit too late. Even some of those doubles, when you look at his catches downfield ineffective, again, you give credit to Jefferson, but the Patriots knew that their easy pass to defeat was letting their best player, Justin Jefferson show out. And that's exactly what he did. The, irony of it all is when they finally effectively doubled Justin Jefferson in the red zone um the the Vikings last touchdown the last score of the game Adam Thielen gets free going the opposite way of these two deep crossers a play that Minnesota had been calling waiting to call all game and Kirk Cousins kept checking out of it till the Patriots gave him the right look and Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell was explaining that I was just too stubborn I was going to keep calling it to get the play Justin Jefferson had three defenders with him and Adam Thielen two steps behind Jalen Mills, then with the ball in the end zone. So um, the coverage, though, was not as bad as the special teams play. Give up your first kick return touchdown since 2010. 
You have a disastrous penalty in the fourth quarter with Pierre Strong running into the punter on fourth and three. It extends the drive three plays later. There goes Adam Thielen. And these are just can't have it plays. Like you're in a game against a team that's very similar to you as far as, you know, similar enough record, talent, and potential. Like you just can't give them those big bounces or second chances. And that's, of course, exactly what the Patriots did. Now, I wrote in the intro of my film review, you know, and there, there was a stat from, I think it's Stats Performer. I'm getting the name wrong, but the, the tweet is is linked in there that, you know, the Patriots were the first team in the Super Bowl era, you know, outgain your opponent more than 400 yards, complete 70% of your passes, um, score more than 25 points, less than 60 penalty yards to lose a game like that. And it was because of these mistakes. Now, I would take comfort in the fact that the, those mistakes should not resurface. You're talking about what's going to apply moving forward. Are these going to happen against Buffalo? Buffalo special teams are really good. But up until Thursday night, the Patriots had been elite. Top three by DVOA for a number of different weeks. That I would count on as kind of an outlier. And you don't have to worry about it. Are you going to score more than 25 points? Gain more than 400 yards? Uh, have less than 60 yards of penalties? All the other things I just listed. Moving forward, probably not. But I think the mistakes were so rare in such an outlier event. You don't need to worry about them but ultimately as far as Thursday night goes yes those absolutely killed you in addition to some controversial calls last one yes the officiating look I mentioned it twice already I don't want to spend too much time on here and part of this is yes absolutely they were bad calls missed hold on Kyle Duggar the Hunter Henry overturn and then a face mask against Mac Jones late calls are going to be missed that's just the NFL that's how professional sports college sports high school sports all the way down that's how it goes and my answer is kind of, what are you going to do about it? Nothing, right? Because it, it's already happened. We can talk about it. We can revisit it. But ultimately, the Patriots know there's nothing they can control about the officials' decisions. You just have to play better next time. So then my response to any fans complaining would be, well, play better then. Play better in the fourth quarter when you committed that running into the punter penalty. You went scoreless on offense with some questionable play calls and some early down inefficiencies that – Rose up, up again. And then defensively, I don't know, just, just be in the neighborhood of Adam Thielen. Like that that would solve a lot of the issues, even if you did have more adversity. You still could have gotten out of there with a win. You played really well. That wasn't the reason you lost. Okay, we need to talk. We need to talk is uh, the opposite of game balls. And we'll keep this short. Trent Brown, I mentioned. he. I initially, in my film review, gave him two sacks allowed. We took one out on the last drive because... You know, Mac Jones was in the pocket for over three seconds. Cole Strange got beat first by Zadarius Smith, who I mentioned gave him fits for much of the night. And so that pushed Mac closer to where Trent Brown was blocking, and he gives up the sack instead. The one that he is absolutely at fault for, though, is third and seven, where they lost the game. Two-minute warning, Vikings 30-yard line. It's a longer-developing shotgun traditional drop-back passing play, and Trent Brown is cup-blocking. So... I was not in Minnesota, didn't get to ask Trent about it. He didn't want to talk to us last week. It's his prerogative. But it's just a matter of, you know, why that was. If he doesn't offer it up, we're never going to know. It looks like a mental mistake on his part because when he cut blocked Daniel Hunter, Hunter had enough time as the routes are going, you know, vertical, at least seven yards to get past the sticks and then breaking to avoid the cut block, recover, and then sack Mac Jones. So Trent Brown can't have those mental mistakes. With two minutes left, down a touchdown, 30 yards away from the end zone, but he did. Um, Matt Patricia, good game. Look, I don't want to bang on the Matt Patricia drum here 
any longer. It's been boring. It's been something that I think has been overdone the last two months. You know, the, the instances where he's deserved credit, I feel like it's been fair, given him a ton. Detroit, Cleveland, some of the adjustments against Pittsburgh, um, and the early down play calling got better, as I tweet out now every week. But 16% play action, man. Their first snap, the 26 yarder, Jacoby Myers, where he got hurt, was supposed to be a play action throw. Mac bobbled the snap and dropped it. I went for 26 yards. Probably more to do with the bobble than the lack of a fake. But that was their last play action pass of the half. Then you start with three on your first drive coming out of halftime and go down for a touchdown, including the touchdown pass to Hunter Henry. And Mac Jones finishes six of eight for over 100 yards and that touchdown off of play action. It's something that I think, again, against a zone-heavy defense that is going to play with a lighter box would have been really effective. And I think overall the game plan was good. You play an 11 personnel with three receivers, put Mac in the gun, ran more out of gun as a tendency breaker. You went no huddle. Things overall were great. It's just the missed points in yards I think you leave on the field when you call just eight play action passes. And again, when you're dropping back about 40 times um, is, is a real miss. So that's it. And that actually must be five to seven because if it was only 16%, they threw 40 times, it's got to be less. But point stands, seven times is not good enough, especially when it was that effective. Like just do a little bit earlier. You didn't need to establish the run. You called it on your first play the entire game. Anyway, I mentioned no mailbag today. Um, you know, you look ahead to Buffalo really quickly and we'll do the full rundown. All, all the stats are good, okay? Except when you do the November cutoff. They're, they're winning close games. Their three losses are by combined eight points. They're blowing out certain teams. Josh Allen's had more red zone turnovers than anyone. I don't think that says a whole lot, except for he's a guy who defaults to believing in his arm. And at some point, there's no real defense for that, except for you need to cover longer and rush relentlessly. And at some point, he might give you the ball. But ultimately, that's up to him. Where we saw, even with Zach Wilson, as badly as he played the other week in Foxborough, his decision not to default to trusting his arm and forcing footballs kept him from turning the ball over. So this is something that Josh Allen controls more than the Patriots as far as it goes, his recent play and recent play in the end zone. But they're top seven in every category by DVOA. We'll have the rundown, the updated numbers once all these games are done here on Sunday. The Bills are really, really good. It's the deepest, most well-rounded roster in the league. Yes, I think the Patriots can win. Uh, and I will explain more next time we meet. Hey guys, just a quick break to remind you, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live score, not only for football and basketball, but you can get on there for NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50%, that's 5-0, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50, CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. But for now, no mailbag. We're going to cover some media topics. So the story, in case you missed it, was a lot of fun. And it was, the headline was, Bill Belichick's media playbook, how to survive Thanksgiving with your family. All very tongue in cheek. We all, for the most part, love our families. And the idea was to go around the locker room. In my case, when we get 45 minutes in there, anytime the Patriots practice, after they practice, and ask guys, hey, like when you when you go to your Thanksgiving, you did as a kid, you ever have that wacky uncle who wants to come up and you know start talking about uncomfortable things like politics or your ex 
or things in the future you're really not sure about. It could be, you know, your kids going to college or where you want to go to college or, you know, your grades, if they're not good, whatever it is. And of course the answer was yes. We all kind of have that aunt or that uncle. And so the point was, well, you now talking to the players are really good at handling some of those tougher, more awkward questions. Cause I deal with that every day. And you probably know that at home watching any of the videos that the Patriots produce on their own from press conferences uh, or different scrums in the locker room. And I know they have a set of rules for the media and they're, they're longer than this, but there are four players blocked by every single day when they leave the building, same with the coaches and the other staffers. And they are speak for yourself, ignore the noise, don't believe or fuel the hype and manage expectations. And Belichick has had this inscribed on a metal sign again, right by the entrance last exit that they see. And so those are the, the real core of the media rules. First of which Belichick constitutes uh, and makes up, which is unique. It's not handled by the PR director. He's the one kind of setting the, the framework for, again, their media playbook. So I said, how would you teach fans at home to use those rules when it comes up about, hey, how's your ex doing? Well, speak for yourself. You know, um, if they want to talk about the future, having kids, well, got to go day by day. As we know, Belichick said 12 times after Mac got hurt with a high ankle sprain. So it was a lot of fun because the other point about this is, and I would suggest you go read it. It, it was fun. You hear from 10 different players, uh, all these different answers. Kyle Duggar said just default to like stuff food in your mouth, point to your mouth, make them wait, and then keep stuffing your face. <laughs> You're like, hey, just kind of a fun, silly answer, but also things you don't normally hear from these guys who were fun, or they were they were happy to talk about this with me. I got the sense because it was like, all right, let's just put the rules out into the open. We all know there's some sort of cat and mouse game sometimes when we want to know about you know, maybe some game plan stuff, but of course they're never going to give that up, you know, because that would hurt their competitive advantage, which is, you know, rule number one that goes unsaid on that list of rules of like, don't give anything away, scheme, injuries, contracts, et cetera. So I have more rules um, from that piece that were down at the bottom. And before we get to that, this touches on something that initially I kind of wanted to talk about, but realized there's, there's nothing, there's no real good way to write about media rules, A, because who cares? B, they're not that important. You need to find a way to kind of uh, Trojan horse this with a story like I did for Thanksgiving, which was fun. And I, I think, you know, informative because also most people would believe that the way that Bill is so gruff and short and sneering with the media, you know, at least mostly on, you know, the, the first press conference of the week, that they don't care about the media. And having had conversations with, you know, 10 to 12 current players, ex-players, current staffers, ex-staffers, it's flatly not true. The players who have been in other buildings say they care more about media as far as the interaction goes, not, not what we think, but what's said to us and how that's relayed than any other team that they played for. And Michael Holly, now of Sports Boston, wrote in one of his, I think, three, maybe four books, at least two of which he's embedded with the team, shadowing Bill, hanging out with him day to day to day to day, speaking of day by day, early in the dynasty, said that Belichick took 10 to 15 minutes to prepare for every single press conference. I can't say definitively he still does this. I would imagine he does as the stakes only get higher as the team keeps winning and all the controversies. But, you know, right now, I can tell you that players, you know, have media training. They have a media guide. Um, and every single thing that's written about them goes through the PR department, football operations, and marketing. They know everything that's written. So that they can come back to players if they break any some of these rules. So... Again, it's, it's more than you think. Belichick reads this stuff on his own treadmill. I'm not saying this to boost or validate anything I do. I care less. I write for me. I have fun doing this about whatever team or wherever I am. But 
it's just funny because it's something that I think the perception of the outside is they don't give a shit. <laughs> I can tell you from talking to players and other staffers and the way they comb through everything to make sure there are no kind of leaks here and there. They can find out whose sources might be coming from where. Uh, they care a lot. It's just kind of kept behind the scenes. So we'll wrap with some of the other rules. I mentioned the first four that are on that sign. Speak for yourself. Manage expectations. Ignore the noise. Don't believe or fuel the hype. Um, some other ones when Belichick is going, look, just just don't screw around with the media. Akib Talib actually had a great interview with Kevin Clark of the Ringer last year on Slew Nose Day uh, explaining this too. Just be attentive, know your stuff, and don't mess with the media. It's all Bill cares about. When you're not messing with the media, you are, however, respecting the opponent, not talking about injuries or contracts. You're managing expectations, as I mentioned, and you're spreading credit and accepting blame. So the next time you're watching or hearing any sort of clip of press conference, it could be Belichick or any sort of players, wait for one of us, being the media, to ask about a particular player. And I guarantee you that the answer, I don't care who it is, because of spread credit and accept blame, you know, you spread the credit around from that player. Reminder Stevenson might be playing great. You'll get a mention to Damian Harris. You'll get a mention of the offensive line or, you know, some of the rookie running backs. Like, it's never always about one player. They will take a question about one person and blow it out because that further drives home the idea of putting the team first, which is one rule on the sign that players see coming into the building every day. But that's enough media talk. Uh, we will come back with a preview of the biggest game of the Patriots season. Buffalo, Thursday night, prime time. It's not make or break for their playoff hopes as much as they would be 6-6. Six and six. Even if there's a close loss and the Patriots score a lot of points, I think they've got some hope. And you go to 538 even, their playoff hopes would be down, or their chances are like 33% with a loss. So it's not that big, but it is the biggest game of the season. And all the backdrop of last year, uh, no punts, says it all. So we'll be back in a couple of days, either Wednesday morning or Thursday morning with a preview. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll see you in December. 